grab me a beer and grab him a coke. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you are new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I am currently sober, but one of my favorite things to do back in my drinking, partying days was to hang out with friends, shoot the shit, talk shop. Go over old stories about getting in trouble, partying, uh, doing drugs, just all sorts of stuff. So that is, in essence, the show. Like I said, I am sober now. I will normally be joined by a guest and just be a good old-fashioned drinking buddy. Today is no exception. I am joined by hilarious comedian out of Daytona Beach, Florida. That's right, a true Daytona comic, Mr. Rob Rowick. What's up, man? Oh, thank you. What a what a generous, generous intro. <laughs> Dude, I don't even think I'm funny anymore. You are. That uncle stuff is hilarious. Yeah, that one's funny. That one's really funny. I guess. What? That I'm a pretend pedophile? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not even their uncle. Um, plug everything up front where people can find you. I know you were doing a podcast for a while. Plug that. Let everybody know. Yeah, um, I guess I don't have anything to plug. We're still in a pandemic. Nothing. Uh, I don't know. I go to open mics. Come, come see me tell dick jokes and talk about being a pedophile wherever <laughs> and uh come to tiernanog we need we need audience members in tiernanog yes so uh do that every wednesday 10 30 daytona beach florida yeah and if you're like into um like uh, crack or methamphetamines like i'm sure readily available yeah ready in that area is the mecca of i mean walter white uh <laughs> anyway uh, what else? I don't know. Uh, I have a podcast called Comedy Catch, but okay. I'm not filming anything right now, but I will soon. Um, I'm going to take uh, people out on the boat. Rob's got a boat. Rob's got a boat, and uh, that makes me a pretentious prick. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard me. I did a, like a just a line. People mentioned the boat. I said, you know the problem with boat problems is nobody gives a fuck about your problems. Yep. <laughs> I yeah. heard you say that one time. <laughs> so, what do they say the best? way to be on a boat is your friend's boat yeah that's that's true yeah because then they got to worry about everything and you're just on the boat i like entertaining people though man like i i really like taking people out well to that point time. savannah was like my girlfriend said we need to do fun summer stuff and i said hey you know what daytona comic rob rogue has a boat so come on down come, come on, on down, down. It's so funny, too, because it's like uh, I'm such a, a poser with it. I'm not really, but well, maybe I am. Uh, every every real fisherman, like, I don't know. It's a night. It's a it's a good size fishing boat. Yeah. And it's an older boat, actually. It's um, I actually got engaged on this boat. Oh, it's kind of adorable. Uh, For those of you listening who don't know, uh, Rob's actual stage name is Jabri's husband. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, uh, That's a joke. Oh, I know. I uh, I got engaged uh, on a scuba dive off the boat. This oh, was my, my family's God. friend's boat. Actually, my best man from my wedding. Uh, it was his family's boat, and they were selling the boat to buy a better boat. And I, I at one point I was like, uh, "You getting rid of the boat for that amount? A low amount?" And I was low like, amount. I was like, "Where's my checkbook?" Like I yeah. made a joke, and he's like, "Oh, you want it?" And I'm like, "Oh, really?" So it was that's like, how it happened. I'm like, "Yeah, wow. I guess I do." And it seemed like a great deal forever. And then it went to hell. Okay. Like this last year, this boat has been the bane of my existence. 
Um, but you did mention that I we came to the house to record with Zach, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, is that the boat?" And you were like, "That fucking boat." <laughs> It's barely running. And it's like, the thing is, it's not like a car where you just bring it to a place and you're like, fix this. It's, you got to find the right guys that can fix it. You got to try it yourself. Like my, my fuel tank was leaking. Oh shit. It's crazy things that you got to like take on your own shoulders. And the stress is just, it's insane. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. That's why I don't own boats but that's such it. privileged problems you know yeah. i mean no one cares oh you mean the boat that sits behind your house on the water like, all right all right you know what i say stuff though to- <laughs> i'm gonna try to rectify it you know that it's coming <laughs> i do mean this i say stuff like this to uh like especially I, I do this to topher every now and then he starts complaining and i think he's just Been trying on the to podcast a- guest of the show yeah he's just trying he's a little bitch and he's just trying to get a rise <laughs> out of me all the time and uh you know he complains about his life i gotta be honest i envy some of these like especially like younger comics that can go any path yeah. that they want oh, yeah. i am locked down well that's what i was gonna say i wanted to bring that up because we were talking before we started recording about how you ended up in daytona because we're recording this um at your shop uh and you were saying at one point you had multiples of these mm-hmm. you know you went to school to, at emory riddle to become you know an airline pilot and i was like oh my god those are like i didn't because a lot of the people we have on the show like Topher, like a lot of the comics are just kind of like yeah i'm just figuring it out i'm just kind of doing comedy and doing this but you have like Real life stuff happening. I'm still figuring it out, man. I uh, first off, we're in my my gold store right now. Yes. I fucking hate this place. <laughs> I hate it, and it's just a reminder of maybe a bad decision. I, I was supposed to go to the airlines, and uh, well, tell that. How did so? You ended up in Daytona because you came to Emory Riddle. Yeah, I came to uh, Emory Riddle to go to school in 2005. Yeah, 2005. Uh, my family spent money that they did not have to make me to let me go here. Yeah, because uh, it's a private university. It's yeah. expensive. And it's pricey. And uh, they went out of their way to do that. And then I didn't do what I was supposed to do. So there's some family <laughs> resentment. But Isn't there always, though? Yeah. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I In the end, I was actually for a long time really thinking that I made such a mistake. And until recently, I don't I don't think that job was made for me going to the airlines um, okay. or whatnot. So, but you are you are rated you are a rated pilot. Yeah, correct? Um, I am. I'm rated. I used to have uh, my instructor licenses and whatnot, but uh, I did let those lapse because I'm a stupid guy. So I can't flight instruct anymore. But I can still fly some planes around. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Fuck yeah! Let's do next, it. Next on the list, got to get a plane. Yeah, you can get cheap planes too. Like a. <laughs> Like a Cessna 152, you can find a decent one for like $15,000. Oh, really? oh, so that's cheaper than a car. Two-seater, you know, and the plane is from probably 1972. But it still flies. Still flies, and because of like all the maintenance laws and stuff, you know, you it's going to- You have gonna, to keep it up. Almost every plane except for the ones that I've flown at Riddle are old planes. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting because I've always had a, a death-defying fear of flying, and I had a girlfriend in college whose father was a pilot. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, isn't it funny? Brennan's scared of flying. And he goes, oh, really? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, what about it? So I explained it to him. He goes, oh, you're you're a control freak. Yeah. And I was like, no. Like, it's me? Mm-hmm. No. He goes, yeah. He goes, when you're in a car, who drives? I said, I do. Mm-hmm. He goes, do you like sitting in the passenger seat? And I said, no. It terrifies me because no. other people don't know how to drive. He goes, okay. that's why you don't like to fly. <laughs> I don't like being in the back of an airplane. Yeah, because... 
And it was so because I always thought it was like, no, I'm scared of falling out of the sky. And they go, no, you're scared of not being in control when you fall out of the sky. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. And then once I started drinking, I loved flying. Yeah. Because drunk on an airplane is like. What's the drink on an airplane for you? Um, so okay, this you'll okay. This there's actually a story here. I didn't even think we'd get around, but I used to play up. Not I was naturally like a super anxious person when I'd fly. So as soon as I turned 21, I would drink whiskeys, Jack Daniels. Yeah. But I would always get on the plane, and I would be so scared at 21 years old. And I'm a big dude, and I was bigger back then. I was mostly fat, but I was bigger back then. I would start almost crying to the flight attendant that. Like, I'm terrified to be on a plane. Like, I normally have a couple drinks before I get on, but I just, I didn't have time to get to the, the airport bar because I got here late. And and when you're in coach, they won't bring you anything until the flight's, like, going. Like, you're up in the air and stuff. Yeah. I would always convince them to bring me, like, two or three Jack Daniels. And they would just set them down and then go. before you took off? Before we even, before we even taxied out. Oh, you charming motherfucker. How'd you pull that off? Because I would like almost be crying. I'd be like, I'm just so scared to fly. I don't know what to do. What Bert Kreischer? I think that's his thing. Yeah, right? But I would, um, because it, it was a real fear. And so they, I would always be like, if I could just get like a little something and it, I'd always ask for one and they'd always bring me like two or three and just set them down. And I'd be like, do you need my card or anything? And they'd be like, don't worry about it, honey. And I would just pound those and be like, all right, let's go. Where yeah. are we headed? I hate flying. And Jack's? Uh, no, we. this is back when no, I No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Jack and Jack, like Jack oh, and Coke. Jack, just Jacks. All right. Just Jack. I was a Jack. Just... I'm a Jack and Coke airline guy. If I'm on a plane, okay. Jack and Coke and gambling, Jack and Coke. Okay. But then I usually don't drink them other times. Yeah. But I like them then. <laughs> I don't know why. That's the thing. Yeah, it's weird how we have, when I was drinking, I had certain drinks for certain situations. Like airline, it was always Jack Daniels. I don't know why. Like that's, I it just always associated the two. Yeah, I don't know why either. But yeah, it feels. And good. then if I was at like a college party, it was always shots of either rum or vodka. If I was in a nice environment, I would always order like a scotch. So it was just like shots I, of rum and vodka sound terrible. Oh, we used to do this thing called slap shot. What is that? Daniel Barricat, huge shout out, Karen, his wife, Patreon subscriber. What's up, Karen? We used to do this thing, me and Dan. We it's the only them. good Karen shout out I've heard in a while. Oh yeah, I forgot about that whole thing. I always call it her name is Care Bear. But <laughs> okay. uh Dan, Danimal, the Danimal. We used to do this thing where I because I was drinking Sailor Jerry at this time in college because Captain just wasn't doing it for me anymore. Because that's only 70 proof. Sailor Jerry's 92 proof. Mm -hmm. So we do this thing where we'd pour out two shots each of Sailor Jerry, or, and you'd do a shot, then your friend would slap you across the face. Because it was so strong, you wanted to, your body naturally wanted to vomit as soon as you took the shot. So he'd slap you across the face, then he'd do a shot, and I'd slap him across the face. Were you in a frat? No, I wasn't. <laughs> Sounds like you could have been very frat material. If you material. met me and Dan outside of anywhere, you'd be like, "These, there's no way these guys are in frats. Like our favorite thing, one of our favorite things to do is to get drunk and watch Star Wars and like just commentate on Star Wars. Now that's fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You don't want to buy these death sticks. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> So you came to Emory Riddle, you got rated, your instrument rating and everything for being a pilot. Yeah, got a degree in aeronautical science. Aeronautical science. A minor in meteorology. There you go. You're a weatherman. A little bit. And then you decided to forego all of that and open up these shops. Was that right after college? Yeah, I decided to um, take um, the very valuable uh, college education and then instead become a scumbag, <laughs> which, which is, uh, you know, which is where I am today. <laughs> 
But you, these are, I mean, I, I was telling you before we, the mics went on, the, I worked in a, a, a place that was do, dealt in like gold and coins and stuff like that. I mean, they're very profitable businesses. You know, the problem is, is this place always drives me so crazy because you don't, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Like it's like, sometimes it makes a fortune. Sometimes it makes no money. And like, it, it's just, it's too much on my emotions to know, like, am I, am I wealthy? Am I poor? Like there's yeah. been, t- there's been plenty of times where it's like, I don't think I'm going to make it. Like, uh, so it happens, but uh, got to diversify, you know? Yeah, just diversify make sure. your funds, man. Yeah. Because you have overhead and a building and employees. Yep. All of that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're dealing in something that fluctuates. And I'm hiring uh, comedians. I yeah, you do it. have a comedian on your staff. One of the best things that I've ever done, too. We're having such a good time. Yeah, I mean... Sean Murphy, shout out. He's hilarious. I assume he's okay with the shout out that he works here. But yeah. Whatever. Well, we haven't said what it is. That's true. Is it a roller coaster just as far as business or also with the fluctuation of actual prices? Because gold goes up and down. and Oh, it's crazy. It's everything. And right now, there's no one probably coming through the doors today. Very seldom. I had a small deal this morning, whatever. Um, everyone got those tax refunds. Not tax refunds. Uh, the stimulus, stimulus checks. checks. Yeah. It was instant like shut off of this store doing because well. no one has to sell anything because they got, got the chat god which is good for a society and i don't really care because i also do some real estate stuff and that's really busy right now so it makes no difference to me as long as you know i can pay my bills that's yeah it's all that matters unfortunately i have a, a good amount of bills yes know? as so, we've discussed a little bit a little bit stressed but very privileged problem. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to live. I'm going to be all right. One of the, my favorite things, we were talking about it before, but when you got on stage and said that. Yeah. <laughs> I own a boat. And you know the problem with owning a boat? No one gives a shit about your problems. And there's lots of them. <laughs> That's so funny. So what So what happens? How did you get into comedy? Um, I always wanted to do comedy. Okay, so you have always been a fan. That's that's a running theme on the show. You've always been a fan of comedy, or like, you've always wanted to do comedy. I don't know, like in uh, both in, insane amounts, like my entire life, and I didn't even realize it until a couple of years ago, really, that uh, that that was a thing that I could do and that I really wanted to do. I remember being a kid telling people I want to be like Seinfeld. Oh, really? Yeah, and so I just young. started thinking about that recently. I remember being a kid thinking like, "There's the best way." this conversation can go with someone that I didn't do that would make them laugh. Like I remember having those thoughts at like, like middle school age. Okay. You know, and I didn't just put it together until I don't know what, three years ago or something like that. That's when you started about three years ago. I actually started about two years ago, but three years ago I was really like, uh, let's, okay. let's get on this train, started writing things. Okay. Did you the do the thing me. where you, um, would go to like the mics and stuff just to watch? Not at all. Okay. I, um, cause we have a lot of those in Jacksonville. Luckily enough, I've always just sought out, out like the best comedy clubs. Like I'm a snob. Like I've been to like the comedy cellar like a, yeah. a dozens and dozens of times. And my I, favorite club in the world. And I absolutely love it. And you watch these people pop in and just like the energy in the room. Yep. And, uh, you know, then we I discovered bonkers down here maybe 10 years ago. So we went to a bunch of those. But I've never seen an open mic until the day I was on the open mic. Oh, OK. So you've only known comedy in a super professional aspect. Yeah. Wow. So that must have been like a kind of a weird, like, what are these guys doing? You know, the only, uh, I brag about this, which is the dumbest thing to brag about, that I saw Bill Burr on, it was his half hour um, one night stand on Comedy Central when I was 17 years old. What the fuck? And I called my dad in the room. I was like, you see this guy? 
I'm like, you see this guy? I go, this guy's going to be huge. I, I go, I have not heard of this guy. Cause up till then we were just watching things that were coming out on DVDs. Okay. Like, uh, Chris rock, bring the pain. Yeah. Bigger yeah. Blacker. Um, Robin Williams, that, uh, what was that? Uh, live at radio city yep. and, uh, things of that nature. So I didn't even understand that there was this gritty, awesome world of, mm. uh, underground comedy. God, that's awesome. My, um, and I've talked about it before the the best gift I've ever gotten, um, like actual present Savannah and I had been dating a few months, my current girlfriend, and she knew when we got together, how much comedy meant to me. And I've gotten into that on the show before, you know, the whole not performing, like, you know, I went from like one liners to like not finding my voice to not knowing who I was. When I first started in 09, I was doing like frat guy humor, yeah, like just stuff that was like, I go back and look at those notebooks, and I'm a dark comic, but I go back and look at those notebooks now and I'm like, this is just like shock jock shit. Mm-hmm. Like just saying things to be like, oh my God, can you believe he said that about so-and-so? And so it's like, and then I kind of grew into what I was as a comic, but so anyway, Savannah knew how much I loved comedy. And so for Christmas, she got us tickets to Last at the Garden, which is a charity event in New York City for New Yorkers. Like, people don't travel to go to it. It's for New Yorkers. Yeah. She got us tickets to that because she knew how much Bill Burr was an inspiration for me and how much I idolized Bill Burr. She was looking all online, couldn't find Bill Burr anywhere close to Florida touring, but she was doing this charity event. So she flew us up there for, like, a mini vacation. We stayed, well, I guess a real vacation. We stayed for a week. Went to Last of the Garden. I got to see Bill Burr live. I was one of the only people laughing because, you know, some of his humor is a little aggressive. In, at the Garden? Yeah, at Madison <laughs> Square Garden. But we're in the theater. We're in the uh, the theater. And yeah. so he's doing some of his bits. And he's doing that thing where he's like, what the fuck? You guys are going to pull back on that? And yeah. I'm dying. And at one point he goes, look, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. Yes. And I was just like, yeah, I get it. Um, and that's where I met Dave Chappelle. That whole story about oh, being cool. outside of the hotel to meet Dave Chappelle. And we had been dating three months. Yeah. And this was like a thousands of dollars expense. But I mean, she wanted to go to New York, too. But it was just like that's when I was kind of like, OK, like this this person knows exactly who I am. Yeah. And likes me enough at that point to get this trip sorted out. So I can understand that feeling of like watching Bill, especially Bill Burr live and being like, what the fuck are we doing? Did you ever see him in small venues? No, I've never seen him in a small venue. I was following him around for a while. Like, Were you really? Sort of. I mean, anytime he came through town, I've seen him at. Uh, I've, you know, I've seen him in theaters a couple times, maybe twice or three times. But I've also seen him at like the Improv before he graduated to theaters. Yeah, which was great. That's I mean, a, that's my relationship with Tom Segura. I saw him comedy zones, smaller clubs, and then eventually when he went to theaters, I obviously saw him there. But it's. This is a different experience when it's in that smaller room. I went to the uh, the Tampa Improv the one time. I had my elbow like I, you know, I was just lean. I think my drink was on the stage watching him, and oh. like, it's just like, uh, yeah. I sent him an email one time because I'm a dork. Uh, yeah, I do the same thing. The Monday Morning Podcast. He's yeah. read a couple of mine. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been. He read one, and then I at the end I said, "Stop being." What did I say? Well, stop being so big time. Like, I want to watch you back with a chicken wing in my mouth. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and an improv. And he uh, he read the email, and then I hear him at the end. He goes, so he didn't read that part. Which oh, I thought, really? Yeah, yeah. He ignored the bottom line where it's like, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. See, that's you're the second person on this show that has a Bill Burr read my email story. Oh, yeah? Yeah, KP Burke was going through some shit with his ex in a house situation. Emailed Bill Burr. Bill Burr read it. Then her new boyfriend... He listens to Bill Byrne was like, hey, I think this is about you and yeah. like blew everything up. So 
I read. I sent him two emails of mine. He read one email, both complaining about Jobbery. Oh, way. really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. First one was uh, Jobbery did a fitness competition years ago. Just decided, like, I'm gonna go. They have it. It's called the Daytona Beach Classic. Okay. And she was a nightmare to live with. She just, she's, well, she stopped drinking completely. And I was like, babe, I was like, you got, you just gear on gear. You need some oil in the system. You know, like, <laughs> have, loop it up, have, yeah. a, have a glass of wine with me, something. And um, she didn't and just got, just like angry. I mean, she wasn't eating, you know, what she yeah. normally wanted to eat and just like an angry person. So I wrote in about that. He read that. And then a couple of years later, maybe I wrote something else out that was like, hey, if um, we go out late at night, my wife's hungry. You know, if I don't like, if she's not properly fed, I was like, she's a little like, uh, was it Gizmo? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, if she's drinking and it's late, like, I don't know. She's like a little, like, you can't not feed her past midnight. It's the opposite or yeah. something. They read that one too. Oh, so. that's awesome. Yeah. Just complaints about my wife. Yeah. Well, and I think Nia chimed in and was like, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> so. Oh, Nia. <laughs> well, that's. God, that's fantastic. So you have a Bill Burr connection. That's super cool. I love I mean, the guy's maybe one of the reasons why I'm doing comedy. He know? is the reason why I'm doing comedy. And he was the one that I picked up the earliest and I just followed him all the way till till now. Well, it was that quote that he has that's all over the internet now. Um, it's become almost a meme, but the whole, you know, uh, living on a futon in your 30s isn't failure. Yeah. Failure is waking up next to somebody that you hate in a house you can't afford, doing a job that you can't stand, mm-hmm. thinking... You know, what what have I fucking done? Like, obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but that I read that quote like every single day when I first got sober and I was like, okay, I got to I got to do something. Yeah, I was reading that quote when I was sleeping in a king size bed and I was like, ah, fuck, look at this guy. (laughs) This guy's telling me I'm a loser. I made the wrong choice. Yeah, I was like, but I'm not grinding it out enough. Back to that. So you um, always have had this comedy kind of bug. You've always watched comedy. You've been a fan of live comedy. And then you, a few years ago, you decided, like, I'm going to I want to do this. Yeah, I think I started writing for I mean, I was just writing down ideas for a couple of years, maybe. OK. And then like six months before I started, uh, I wrote down, you know, starting to longhand write yeah. out stuff. Still not any idea what I'm doing. Maybe today, still not any idea <laughs> what I'm doing. But uh, writing them all out, and then like the day of, I think I took off work or what I just spent all day long, like rewriting, getting it down. I didn't have any idea too. Like I was going, I went to the nog, yeah, with like twelve minutes. I thought I was gonna, damn. I, I thought, oh, I it probably would have been not great, you know. And then I got there, Zach's like, no, no, no. He's like, you, you, you get five, you know. So I was like, all right. So I cut a bunch of dumb bits out. How did you do your first time? I did good. Yeah. And uh, I said that way too confident. No, no, no. I did. It's a common theme on the show. I did okay. And what I realized, though, is everyone gives you credit on your first time. Yep. You know, they're a lot nicer to you, the audience. Well, and it's new, it's new ideas, too. Yeah. And it's hearing it for the first time. It's yep. the second and third because you're out of material the next time you got to go up. My actually worst set ever to this day, I think, is my third time. Okay. And here's tell the me way- about that. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. Here's the way that it went. I go to the Tiernanog. Uh, Sean Finnerty. Remember? Um, oh yeah, I know Sean. It was a night that he got on stage. Okay. And every it was, everyone. Was I remember there. exactly that when he was in town because okay. he came up to Jacksonville. Yeah. So he's there. He does his time. Every comic from Orlando does this time, and I'm there. I'm new. I look like a poser, and uh, the, you know this preppy punk, and I get pushed till two a.m. Oh, you know? yeah, because it would have been a long show, too, because everyone came out. And I get there at 8, 8 p.m., 
you know, thinking like I'm tired and like, oh, no, the show only really starts till, you know, 11. 11. So we said that at the same time. And I'm like, all right. So I, I hang Flyer out. says 10. They always say 1030. Show doesn't start till 11. Yeah, there's five people left in the audience at 2 a.m. or whatever the case is. I get on stage. I do my five minutes. It goes over pretty well. Um, I remember my lines, blah, blah, blah. The next day we were going on a trip. It was around Valentine's Day, actually. And we uh, we head up. We ended up in New York City um, at a friend's place for uh, a couple of nights. And I'm like, Jarby's like, you want to do some mics? No, I'm like, God. line them up. I'm the best comic ever. Didn't you see that performance I did at 2 a.m.? Like, you know. And Nothing can stop me. No, nah, it was like, I'll do anything, you know. <laughs> I'm like, 2 a.m., five people at the tier tonight. Yeah. I'm ready to it's take like, I'm pretty on sure city. someone's going to sign me soon. Like, like where's <laughs> oh my, my agent? Where's my agent, you know? This is awesome. Yeah, stupid. So I go and I go to this kind of a cool mic. It was called like uh, the Shrunken Head or something. It was down in not Greenwich Village. I can't remember exactly, but... Uh, I went to this mic, and it was an early-in-the-day mic. Yeah, in New York, they've got mics at the most random times. Yeah. So I go there, and I do the same set, basically. And I worked out a couple lines. That went over pretty good. I fooled these people. I, no one knew it was my second time. Went over pretty well. Yeah. My second set. One girl got on stage and said something a little snarky about my set, and I'm like, oh, fuck this girl. You know yeah. what I mean? She was a comic, but I'm like, oh, God damn it, you know? But we leave there, and we had another mic lined up. I okay. Go, I go right to the other mic. Look at Jabri putting mics together for She's you. pretty good at stuff like that. I got to give her some credit. So we go right to this other mic, which is only pl- a couple blocks away. Mm-hmm. And I know nothing about the way mics work, and I don't realize everyone from the first mic has now Ghost. moved over to the second mic. And I'm out of material. You've got that, <laughs> that five. And this snarky lady. Cunt. Cunt. Yeah. I was going to use the B word, but I don't know. Which is worse now? Can I use cunt more than you can use bitch? Or, yeah. Uh, you're getting canceled. Well, it's weird. So like I just sidebar. Yeah. I say cunt all the time because I listen to a lot of Jim Jeffries, Bill Burr. Cunt. I love using that word when it when it applies. If I say in front of my girlfriend, she like loses her mind. I'm like, oh, yeah. In real life, people really hate this word. Dude, I just uh, I just uh, started, May- I don't know if it's a bit or just a line, but uh, we just, Jarby forced me to go to Bush Gardens last week, and it was a nightmare. Yeah, it I was, couldn't imagine. It was the worst experience ever. I made her, I like, I put up a hissy fit until she let me leave. Just stomping your feet. I'm like, we're on vacation. I feel like you're holding me hostage here. But like, the whole time I'm writing stuff down, you know, yeah. I think it's funny while I'm out there and as I'm having a hissy fit, but I'm like, Bush Gardens, I was like. I don't even listen to those assholes. Like drunken billionaires. I was like, hey, you're spelling your name wrong. I was like, (laughs) like, why are you going to make me feel like I'm dyslexic? What does the C stand for? Cunt? Like, you know. (laughs) There you go. Does it go before the S? Does it go after the S? Like, I don't know. I can't stand them. But back to what you were saying. Yeah, I get sidetracked. Uh, This cunt shows up. There you go. Let it fly. At the second mic. Okay. So she's there. She's there. And I'm like, I'm not going to give this girl the satisfaction of hearing me do the same thing twice, yeah. right back to back, because I also don't know how it works, and that don't realize everyone's everyone's much doing, doing that. the same thing. And there's nobody in this room. This is actually the uh, New York Comedy Club um, down there. Cold room, winter. They, you know, it's uh, seven o'clock. They don't even turn the heat on. I mean, it is disgusting. Cold. Dark, darkest room I've ever been in. Can't see anything. Lights right on you. And I get up on stage and I decide to do a bit that I wrote down, but still was working some kinks out. Yeah. And it, nothing. I mean, it didn't go good. It was misogynistic. I'm yeah. in New York. Like, none of it was good. Something about Victoria's Secret fashion show and like, 
I, I have no idea. That's I'm not, even, already, I'm not yeah. even gonna try to explain it. It was so bad. And uh I literally at the end of the set, someone was like, uh, okay, like good for you. Uh comedy. I, it was just like it was the, <laughs> like it was like a host just mocking me as I was getting off stage. And I was like, all right. And I had like two friends come out. They didn't see the first one that I did oh, well. No. They're like, oh yeah, man, like keep keep trying it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then I went to see um uh, the Patrice O'Neill benefit right after. Oh, okay. And I watched people that knew how to do it. Yeah. Do it. It's it's so funny how in the moment we can like I've done shows before where I get there and I've got a set list worked out. Yeah. And then the comic before me will say one thing and I'm like, fuck this motherfucker. Like I'm gonna change my whole set. And then I just bomb. Yeah, I do that all the time. Where and I'm just... like, why didn't I just stick I had it. I have a set list. I've got yeah. I've got all this material because I tell stories. It's easy to do five. It's not easy because it actually can be a detriment to do five minutes because that's one story. So if it doesn't go over well, you're fucked. But it's like, why? Why do I let other people dictate to me what my material should? And so I try so hard not to do it anymore. But it's the same thing you're talking about with the mics, even in Jacksonville at these mics where I'm friends with a lot of these comics. They've been on the show. Some of them even come up to me and they're like, hey, man, I'm trying to be more like you with your stage presence. Because as I've talked about on the show before, best compliment I ever got. My dad said I have wonderful stage presence. Just need to find someone to write me some jokes. But I got great stage presence. But like I'll I'll be at mics and I'll I'll go to a mic and then I'll do like something I'm working on. I try never to do old material at a mic unless there's like a ton of people there. And then I'll go to a second mic that night and I'll be like, oh, it's all the same comic. So I got to do something new. And it's like, no. Like you're yeah. working on this material, work on this material. Yeah. And I just let other people dictate and then it fucking always goes horribly wrong. But it, are you not right in that sense though? I think about this all the time. It's like if I go on if I go to the knock and let's say I'm working on just getting my phrasing down perfect on a on a bit. Yeah. But these guys have all seen it. They've seen it the week before or whatever. I feel the need to do new material whether I think it's good or not. Exactly. Because I'd rather do something new and get crickets than do something old and get crickets. You know what I mean? And yeah. be like, oh, am I get? Is that not a? Fu- I thought that was a funny joke. Like, oh, is that not funny? Or they just know the allure of it's gone. Yeah. They know the punchline before I say it. Yeah, and that was one of the things with the uncle bit that you had when I first heard it at Breakaways. That was the first time I had heard it, mm-hmm. and I was dying. And then we went to Tiernanog, and obviously we all did our same sets. Yeah. And I, I almost was sitting in the room, back of the room, like I felt almost bad because I was like, no, this is really funny. Like, I wish I could give it the same credit I just gave yeah. it, but like I, I had heard it. So like it, it doesn't hit as hard. And yep. I was like, fuck. But like, I was like, I hope Rob knows how funny this bit is. Especially on the big surprise ones too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like without the surprise at the end, <laughs> they're it's, liars. it's nothing. Yeah. No, they're liars. Don't believe a word they say. Yeah, what do I say? I don't. Uh, my friends' kids call me Uncle Rob, um, but despite the title, I do not molest these children. Like, why would I? I'm not even their right uncle. I'm not even their real uncle. Sometimes, by the way, I get a good reaction. Sometimes I go, I go, I could. I go, I have, I have access, I have plenty of access yeah, to them. I was like, yeah. I think these parents are being a little lazy, to be honest. Like, a little too much trust in Uncle Rob, <laughs> dude. And when I first heard that at Breakaways, I almost died. I was laughing so hard, and Jabri was even looking at me like. Yeah, it's funny. It's not that like chill. Yeah, don't listen to her. <laughs> so you 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 bomb in New York. Yeah. What now? I want to get your opinion on this because I I ask a lot of my guests this. What do you think? Because I have my own idea. What do you think is worse, um, like being booed or groaned or just not hearing anything? Not hearing 
Like just crickets. Yeah, not hearing anything. Okay, because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on the same page with you. You know, I've never really got, I don't think I've gotten a boo, really. I've gotten groans, which I like sometimes. Yeah, eliciting a response. Like, yeah. Okay, I'm getting a response. Like, oh, man. Yeah. You said that? Yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten booed a couple times. Yeah? Yeah, well, because, you know, some of my... Some of my stuff doesn't go over awesome. And then a lot of times if I get gr- – I've been booed because, like, I've got the bit about looking like a cop. Mm-hmm. And if you do those in front of the wrong rooms, they'll they'll let you know that that's not appropriate. I really like going after them, though. Yeah. That's well, fun. So I've gotten groans before. And when I get groans, I get excited because I've got material – like I've got, you know, the suicide bit that I do. I've got the bit about the girl dying of a heroin overdose. I say bits, but they're true stories. Mm-hmm. And I've got those in the, my back pocket. So if I ever get a groan on something that I think is mild, I torpedo the entire set. I just go right into like, oh, you think that's dark? Yeah. Let's get into some real dark stuff. Let's get into some real life things that have happened to me that are horrific. The jokes are solid. As structurally, they're real. They're good jokes. But if you're not on board with the material, it's you're not going to be on board. Yeah. So sometimes I'll lean into it. But I feel like getting crickets like nothing is like that's what they mean when they say the silence can be deafening because yeah. it's it's like no, nobody's on, nobody gets what I'm what I'm saying here. Yeah. Like, I think this is funny. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> nobody gets it. I was almost trying to work on a bit at one point. I'm like, if you think you're funny and make good. Like you should, you're you. Yeah. Like nobody knows what's funnier you than you do. Because comedy is so subjective. Yeah, exactly. So you um bomb in New York. Yeah. God, but you kept doing it. You, you were like, that's not going to phase me. I know the mistake I made trying to go up and do this joke in New York. Uh, no, I mean I didn't. <laughs> I didn't have that thought out yet. But I'm like, this is something that took a lot of time and. You know, guts originally to get on stage the first time. The first time is always the worst. It's so hard to convince yourself even to do it. And then once you get up there, you realize it's not as bad as you thought it was going to be. And even the bomb, I mean, it hurt, but it didn't hurt that bad. You know, like, I mean, I was like, I knew it would take some time. Uh, I didn't realize it would take as much time as I realize it will now. But, uh, you know, you realize it'll take time to get better at it. And now, you want to hear something crazy? Uh, Recently, I have discovered... Magic mushrooms. Okay. And I've actually been, uh, man, I've never felt so like clairvoyant. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. It's pretty wild. We get that a lot. We get that a lot on the show with people who take psychedelics. Do you know what the crazy thing is? I think I just said this on stage recently. I said, everybody tells you when you do magic mushrooms or whatever, do, do a hero's dose. You know what I mean? You ever hear of a hero's dose? No. What is that? Hero's dose is supposed to be like five grams. Okay. That's like when you're talking to aliens. And okay. Yeah, yeah. You're really deep and whatnot. And I'm like, don't be a hero. Like, that's the worst advice to anyone. Try a little. I was literally just talking to this about my mom. And she's like, uh, I'm like, mom, I was like, I'm trying this thing. I was like, you know, I really, really feel comfortable. I'm trying to, you know, it gives you a little bit of confidence. It lets you rethink thoughts while you're on them. And then you bring those thoughts forward, you know, after. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I was telling my mom, she's like, you'll get carried away. You'll get carried away. I was like, you don't know me like you used to know me. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not college Rob anymore. I was like, I'm literally trying to figure out, and I, this is the truth right now, I'm tr- trying to figure out how to do the least amount of it. Like, uh, Microdosing. You got it. Like this morning I had, uh, I was at a meeting with a guy who had a cup uh, with me with a, uh, with a tea with like, uh, that I made before I left the house this morning with like 0. 0.4 grams. Okay. Just enough 
to make me, you know, not want to blow up on the world. You know, yeah. like I just no, it just, keeps me level headed and it really has me think clearly. And honestly, that's what I was saying before. Like I, I'm rethinking comedy altogether. Okay. Uh, like last time we took a vacation and I took a little more than 0.4 grams, but not a hero's dose or anything like that. And I remember just, I just writing, writing, writing. And I remember I was writing like honesty is funny. Yeah. I think, I think that might be the only thing that's funny. Honestly, honestly, honesty. But, uh, well, it's, I, that's something I subscribe to. And the other thing I realized is that, uh, I have time. Like for some reason I was trying to rush to like get funny, get this better stage presence. I'm like, I'm not gonna, that, that sounds like a way of doing it poorly. Yeah. Like I, I have time. I'm going to take my time. Uh, it took me almost a decade to figure out what I was doing as yeah. far as being comfortable for me. I still don't know what I'm doing half the time in rooms, but as far as this is who I am on stage. Mm-hmm. Like this is Brennan Tassif on stage. It took me over a, a decade to figure that out. And I took some time off here and there, but yeah. it's, it's one of those things where it's like you said to like, and I know I say this all the time, but time takes time. Like you can't mm-hmm. rush it. And there are people who rush it. And then you can tell the audience can instantly tell that they're faking it. Yeah. That's it. They can feel it. They'll turn their ears off immediately. If they you can hear, smell the bullshit. That's it. You don't even have to be funny. You just have to be real sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's, <clears throat> so when I first started comedy, like I said, I did a lot of the, like just shock jock material. Um, then I went into one liners mm-hmm. and tried to make that work when I was living in Oklahoma city with my, my cousin, he was really good at one liners. And so I was trying to like mimic him and his friends with like, just really quick, like boom, 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 boom kind of stuff. And it wasn't until, you know, five years ago, six years, when I first came to Jack. So God, eight years ago, seven yeah. years ago that I started getting into telling stories every once in a while on stage. And then that slowly developed into, oh, no, I'd rather just tell true stories because I've done some stupid shit that a lot of people, normal people won't do. But hearing about someone doing it, they find hilarious. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll just be honest. And it's a problem that I have. And Savannah and I have talked about this where certain bits that I have, certain stories I have can be funnier if I flat out lie. So in some of the bits, I'll manipulate the truth a little just to make it more cohesive, make it make more sense. But in some of the bits, she's like, oh, well, what if you said this? And I go, well, that that's not how it happened, though. Like, that's not at all what happened. She goes, yeah, but that's funnier. And then I run into this problem of. Well, do I stick to the the hundred percent truth because that's what I want to be known for is telling only true stories on stage, or do I manipulate it to the point where it's not even the true story anymore, but it's funnier? Yeah, and that's kind of something I battle with because the whole point is to be funny, but I don't want to be funny at the detriment of the the story. Yeah, because my whole thing is like, oh, I I tell true stories so people going through similar situations can like, you know, identify with them. Well, if I'm just lying, then that that goes all out the window. My whole identity goes out the window. Yeah. So it's a weird. Yeah, it's a weird kind of like balancing act about like I have the joke about the story about trying to bribe a cop. Well, originally the true story is it was like two hundred dollars in my wallet, but that's not as funny as saying twenty seven dollars. So that you can tweak. But like the scar story, it's like that's 100 percent real. And. People have told me a thousand times, like, you should really tone it down. Like, think of something else that's, like, sillier and funnier. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, that, absolutely not. I will not change a a detail about that story. Yeah. Because it's just, like, the truth is so much better, I think. But then you run into that whole thing where it's like, well, is it funny or is it just crazy? Yeah. 
I get that all the time. Jabri does. She, I, I, she gets it because she goes to all these shows so much, but she doesn't get it because she's not on stage. Like, yeah. and I, I get defensive sometimes. I'm like, yeah. you're not the one on stage. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the one that has to go up there. I die on this sword. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was writing because I have a whiteboard. And so a lot of times I'll think of a premise. I'll say it on stage a couple of times, try to work it out. I record it. I listen back to it. Then I'll take it to the whiteboard to actually long form, write it out and be like, these are the, these are the um, tags. One time I was on the whiteboard doing this whole bit I have about uh, crying. Love the love bit. You've heard it a million times about crying at the extra gum commercials and stuff. Savannah said, why don't you throw this line in there? Because it's something I used to say, like, it's a stupid thing I used to say all the time. But it's like, I'm six foot two, 230 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Mm -hmm. She goes, why don't you throw that in there right before you say that you cry at gum commercials? She goes, because then that'll get a laugh. And I so I did. I didn't want to. And I, same thing. I was like, fuck you. Like I do, I do comedy in this house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I can get, she obviously knows I don't mean it, but I can get super defensive sometimes, especially about comedy. And so I, dude, I did it. Biggest laugh of the whole bit was yeah. that line. And I was like, fuck, she was right. Jari has given me some great lines. Recently. She gave me one about jet ski. She was like, I don't want to get a jet ski. She was like, anybody can ride a jet ski. Was, what do I want to get a jet ski? So I can fight with my wife and watch her leave me on a jet ski. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and she gave, and I had an intro for it that I was like, you know what? That does work. And I did it this weekend or past weekend. I was like, Oh, that works. So, yeah. um, yeah, she's, she's got a, she got valid points and she is funny, but when you, you're on stage, it's just you. Yeah. Uh, That's I, the one thing I love about it. But also, I also like in a line out of spite. She's like, that's not funny. Yes. You won't get it. And I'm like, you watch, you bitch. You know, like, yep. wa the watch story, this. The story I have about um, discovering uh, being the first person to ever do OnlyFans before it was OnlyFans, where I talk about, I don't want to burn that bit because I really like that bit, but it's, it's a true story and it's a very personal story and it's a very vulnerable story. And I told it to Savannah and she goes, you can never tell anyone else that story. Like that's horrific. Like not violent or anything. Like she was just like, that's, so embarrassing it's beyond cringeworthy she loves saying cringeworthy yeah it's beyond that it's like horrific like the fact that you did that as a as a child not thinking because you didn't understand like what your you know your sexuality or anything like you cannot tell anybody that mm -hmm. as soon as she said that i went to a mic the next night and did it told the whole story on stage whole story i didn't have it worked out or anything yeah. i just told the story huge laugh and i was like yeah that's right i know what i'm doing here there you go that's right. I'm the man in this house. <laughs> but let's, let's backtrack to back in Daytona. Um, you said you, you have uh, plenty of crazy stories. So you, you go to school, you graduate, and then did you, you end up doing the gold thing. Yeah, sorry. I mean, most of my, I grew up kind of early. I would say, like, I haven't gotten myself in too much trouble for a while. But, yeah. like, during college, I still didn't get in trouble, but I should have. Yeah. Like, I think I might have gave uh, a cop a watch once, so I didn't get a DUI. Really? Maybe I was blackout drunk. Yeah. And the next, I remember getting into the interaction or the, uh, we left a party with a buddy. I had a bottle of, uh, ja not Jack, that was uh, Captain Morgan yeah, rolling around did. the bat yeah, on Peninsula. Slut. The guy's like, where are you coming from? I'm like, Peninsula. And he's like, you're on Peninsula, idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, uh. And I was like, please don't arrest me. I, I swear to God, I was so intoxicated, but still maybe able enough to get words out of my mouth. I'm usually pretty good at getting words out of my mouth. Yeah, me too. That he, he let me go home. Um, also, maybe I cried like, my parents will kill me. I'll get kicked out and of school. And you were missing a watch the next day? Yeah. God. I don't know. I like to think that I bribed him with the watch. Yeah. Maybe, maybe well, not. It's funny you say that because I don't know if I've told this 
or not on the show, but my second DUI, I blew <clears throat> and it was um, 0.28. And the guy goes, a good one. Yeah. He goes, um, how are you talking to us right now? Yeah. Cause I'm a professional. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, Wait, I remember the interaction. He goes, if you're 0.02 higher, we legally are obligated to take you to the emergency room for alcohol poisoning. <laughs> he goes, you're having a full on conversation. Yep. And like you said, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty good at getting words out. I'm pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. God. So <laughs> I had a cop with a watch. My thing, uh, by the way, was wand- wandering. I used to like getting super booze, not like just my body took over. Like when my yeah. alcohol level got above 0.2 or whatever it was, I'd be like, time for me to go on a stroll. Yeah. Same and then thing. I would they be. They called me the wanderer in college. Yeah, I got that one too. Yeah. Uh, you start walking. Um, one of the last times was still when I was, with, I, I was with my wife. We went to a bike week event uh, and I was just like, here, take my phone and my wallet. For some reason, I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. But instead, I walked right out of Froggy's and I tried to walk home. And I ended up like in the hood somewhere, you know what I mean? In an yeah. area of town that I shouldn't have been in. That's and a long walk because I know where you live. That's mm-hmm. a long walk. Yeah. I knocked on uh, someone's door. I think someone punched me in the head. I was like, oh, sorry. And I left my sandal when I ran away from the guy. And so I finally got home. That was this bike week? Uh, No, oh. no, no, no. These are like... uh. <laughs> I was gonna say that was two months ago. It's about it's about nine years ago. Okay, and this okay. is one of the last times that I was really getting out of hand. Yeah, um, yeah. Still to this day, how I, long have you been with Jobbery? Ten years coming okay. up. Okay, uh, yeah, coming up this month. Congratulations! Thank you. Just celebrated six year wedding anniversary. Oh, that's where she talked took me to Bush Gardens. Bush Gardens. You yeah. out of your mind? Like Bush Gardens Bush. during a pandemic? It was terrible. She's like, these are good drinks because it was a food and wine thing or yeah. food and drink, whatever. I go, these are good drinks. I go, they're coming out of a slushy machine. <laughs> I go, I go to bars where guys have handlebar mustaches and, and clink yeah. rocks around and shit. I go, these are terrible drinks. I said, <laughs> let us go back to the hotel and sit in the sun by the pool while I eat magic mushrooms. Please, yeah. please. Yeah, because I got you um, that bullet rye for your housewarming gift because I was like, this is the kind of stuff Rob drinks. This is the type of stuff Rob Not drinks. out of a fucking slushy machine. Do you know what's honest though? I, uh, I, I seriously, I hate booze uh, when it comes down to it. I mean, I still drink and stuff and I'm a weird type of drinker where I could... I could do without it completely. Like I like pot way more. Yeah. I'm wondering, I like magic mushrooms way more, but that's like a spiritual, like relaxing thing. It's totally different, you know, to me at least. Um, but booze, man, like I'm into fitness stuff sometimes. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I know how bad it is for my body. Yeah. I know how I'm not getting really anything out of it anymore, but I just, I'm still such a social guy the way that I like it. Like if I'm out, I even feel like if I go to a restaurant, I feel guilty not ordering a drink because I feel like the waiter or waitress is like, oh, this guy. Yeah. It's going to be a shitty tip. Yep. You know, I don't we even think know. that. Yeah, you do. And right? I, I'm sober. And so and you do. It's it's, it's difficult because Savannah and I like to go to nice restaurants because um, we both work in the service industry mm-hmm. and we both work at high end restaurants. So we like to go out to nicer restaurants to kind of. You know, some of it's out of like spite, like we're going to critique like how good this food really is. But other is just it's a nice it's a nice thing. It's a nice thing to do together. Mm-hmm. But when we go out there and they walk up to the table and they go, you know, what would you like to drink? I always point to her first. She always orders a glass of wine. Then they ask me and I say, I'm fine with just water. Because, again, I you know go to the gym six days a week. I don't like to drink any like soda or anything like that. I go, I'm just good with water. And I can feel them being like a uh, fucking two top guys drinking water. Like, here we go. You have an, you have an excuse, though. Yeah. You can immediately be like, oh, I'm- my God, I'm an alcoholic. And when tables yep. come in and say, 
oh no, we don't drink. I go, nobody fucking asked. Like yeah. I get so mad. I'm like, Do I don't fucking care. Like just say no, thank you. But you say you're like, oh, these people is gonna be a shitty table. Yeah, tonight. oh, always, especially if they announce like, oh no, we don't drink. I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm at a point too where I'm also really good at drinking. Yeah. Like I don't drink a ton. I don't get shit faced anymore. Uh, I never get shit. It's so anymore. funny how in the age we are now, because we're close in age. The age we are now, when we say we're people say they're really good at drinking, they mean being responsible yeah. and drinking in moderation. When we were 10, 15 years ago, if we said we were really good at drinking, we meant getting fucking hammered. Well, I still mean that a little bit. I mean, not the fact that I will outdrink most people and hold my own. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, I, yeah, I, I think so. I don't want to be braggadocious or anything, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a pretty good boozer, and I know that it makes people around me comfortable um, to, to drink, and yeah. I know that they like me you know, right along with them. So yeah. I keep drinking, but I gotta be honest. I don't, I don't really want to. Yeah. It's weird. So when I got sober, that was what sugar was and is now to this day for me. Cause I, I'm at the gym six days a week. I'm super obsessed with like meal prepping and I watch what I eat when it comes to like main courses and mm -hmm. proteins and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to sugar, man, it's the same what you're talking about with booze. Like I look at it and I'm you like, replace it with donuts. What happened? Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of alcoholics, they end up gaining weight when they get sober because yeah. they need that like that fix for mm -hmm. the, the more or not morphine, the uh, endorphins. Is, endorphins in their head. So you get a lot of that from certain things that you eat. And that's how sugar is now. Like I'll look at it and I'll be like, I know this is bad for me. I know I'm not going to gain anything from this. I know this is just going to probably just make me feel sick. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I want it. So I'm going to fucking eat it. Would you try mushrooms or is that an asshole thing for me to ask? No, I, I, it's not an asshole thing for you to ask. It's an honest question. You're not the first person to ask, but that's just something I, I wouldn't try. Because when I got sober this last time, I, I stopped everything. Medications, antidepressants, I stopped all of it. You know what's, Okay, I get it. I was, I was making that. orders for yeah. everyone listening. I was making that argument to my mom. I was like, hey, man, they put me on antidepressants for a second. Like I went to a psychiatrist yeah. and I'm like, that's why some of the jokes are, are real. Like, uh... I have terrible ADHD. Yeah. And like, I'm also like OCD and yeah, I have a condition. So I'm like, but they weren't doing anything. These drugs they were giving me, they were low dosage stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, give me the Xanax. I never got to Xanax. Oh, really? No, but I was just like, I also didn't want to pay the guy. <laughs> That's not, it's not that I didn't want to pay him. It's just, I don't value myself that much. And he's like, I'm $200 an hour. And I was like, well, I'm not suicidal. So, yeah, so I don't, I can spend $200 on better things, yeah. you know? Like a night out and then you're not going to feel this way anymore. Yeah, something like that. But they were giving me these um, these low-end antidepressants and I wasn't feeling a damn thing. And I just recently, I mean really recently, started doing this microdosing thing. Yeah. I've felt better than I've ever felt. See, and that's that's interesting because that's not, you're not, like I said, you're not the first person who has told me that. And it's weird. So when I was living at that house in Daytona that I was telling you about, um, right on International, I was like, I need to slow down on my drinking because I'd spent all that money in a month, the $26,000 in 28 days. And I was like, I need to get this under control. Like, I need to figure something out. So I went to a doctor, a psychiatrist, and after like the second month, they had prescribed me antidepressants, Klonopin for long-term anxiety, like throughout the day, yeah. Xanax for anxiety attacks, and Adderall. Dude, there's no way any of that's good. You know what I mean? All like, four. And they were the low dose of all four of those things. It was like the medium to high dose of all of it. Simultaneously. Like, yeah. take this in the morning, then take that Like after you eat breakfast, then take this in the afternoon, then take this at night. And it's like, 
that I think that's something that I mean, obviously, my drug addiction along with my alcoholism is on me, but that's something that definitely pushed me a lot further down a lot faster than I had anticipated because were you a coke guy? Yeah, oh yeah, big coke guy. Yeah. See, I don't I never tried it once or twice and just not for me. Yeah, I was especially in South Florida, it was Yeah. It was Mm. well and I have the tag on the joke about spending the money. It's you know Would you think I'm a Coke guy? Yes. 100%. Yeah. You look I, like I a Coke knew, guy. I knew that. I, I keep asking people that and I keep getting the same response. Yeah, you look like a Coke guy. I think I got to like talk to people like I'm not a Coke guy. Like immediately. Well, because you, you're like you said, between the OCD and the ADHD, you're kind of high. You're high energy. Yeah. And then you come in with your, you know, your glasses and your polo and people are like, yep. this guy this owns guy a likes, boat, goes golfing a lot. This I, guy does I coke. sniffle a lot. You this know, guy, yeah, this guy's doing rails at Tiernanog. Yeah. In the back. Yeah. It feels that way. No, not it my looks thing. that way. <laughs> yeah, it looks that way. No, not my thing. And I tried Adderall once or, you know, a couple times. Also not my thing. Yeah. Jittery. I, I don't like it. What, what I, I remember someone's like, everyone's talking up Coke. Or <laughs> everyone. Uh, shitty friends were talking up. Like, yeah. Oh, man, just try it. And I was like, all right. So we were, you know, bachelor party thing or whatever. I have two Coke stories. Only only two times I've done Coke. First time we were in Vegas at a bachelor, bachelorette, or bachelor party. Fun time. Still nervous. I'm not really a drug guy when it comes yeah. down to it. And uh, all my friends are doing rails and shit like that. And uh, I was like, I want to be like a Ray Liotta or something like that. I wanted to do the gum rub just because okay. that looked cool. Yeah. From uh, I was like, oh, what's this going to be like? Yeah. So I did the thing. I rubbed the gum with the pinky finger. You know yeah. what I mean? Do you know what happened? My pinky finger went numb for a yep. month. For a month? I swear to God, I think it was about a month. Oh like, my God. It was numb. I was like, I can't feel like that's not a cool drug effect. Like, I don't like that. Like, uh, I remember the first time I ever saw Coke. I was gonna. I was just about to shout out the person I was with, but I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, huh? maybe not. <laughs> but I was in college. I was a freshman in college. I had just gotten to FAU. I was playing football, and I went to a party. Uh, There's this girl. Uh, we were friends. We ended up becoming like pretty decent friends because we ended up. Turns out we went to the same high school, graduated the same year. Had no idea who each other were because our high school was gigantic, and so when. We got to talking. We were like neighbors in the dorms or whatever. We got to talking. And I was like, holy shit, you went there? I went there. What year did you graduate? Oh, my God. We're from the same class. So her and I became friends. Yeah. And one night she invited me over to her, uh, the dorm room. I'm hanging out with her and her roommate. She just pulls out this little baggie of white powder. And I had only ever known Coke from the movies. And still, I didn't even know. And it was such a weird realization to be like, oh, like, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like, I could just reach out and, like, take some. Yeah. And it was so weird that like all these things that my whole life had been put in front of me, the dare program, people telling me drugs were bad, all this like football, like being like, don't get fucking in trouble with drugs. Yeah. All this shit. It was just like, oh, that can't protect you when you're next to it. Yeah. And it was such a crazy realization. Well, you with it's such peer pressure too, and yeah. you want to I didn't be cool. do it, just so everyone knows. I didn't do it till I was done playing football. Why are you winking but... at me? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. I'm a liar. Um, but it was just so weird because it was it's the same thing. It's the same way I feel now. I don't know if you've ever had this feeling. It's the same way I feel now, maybe with the mushrooms, with booze, is that all the meetings I go to, all the people I try to work with and help, and people who have helped me. You know, I get three years in next month, like all that stuff. If I walked into a liquor store, like none of that stuff's going to like grab me by the arm and say, hey, let's get out of here. Yeah, it's weird. When I first got sober and I relapsed, I was like, man, if I drink this little mini vodka, I like, am I going to explode? Like I put all this energy into becoming sober. Like what's going to happen? And then I did the shot and I was like, 
still here. Everything's fine. Yeah. And it's weird because drugs can be that same way where it's just like, <gasps> and then you do it and you're like, oh, the world didn't end. Yeah. Like we're all, we're all still here. Yeah. That's the way the movies portray everything. Anytime like an alcoholic does like one shot of something, they're like immediately, you know, yeah, the world's in over. prostitution, like the yeah. next day, like selling. And I don't want this to come across as me advocating people to fall off the wagon, but it's just weird how real, like when people say this is real life, like that gets disconnected when you're growing up because they only say that in movies where it's not real life. But then when real shit actually happens, you're like, oh yeah, like no one's going to come to your house and be like, you're under arrest for drinking yeah. over the age of 21 in your home by yourself. Like nobody does that. No. So like when I would fall off the wagon, it's like, oh yeah, like if I don't call anybody, no help is coming. <laughs> like it's just me. Yeah. And it's so weird because that was my first. I went on a tangent, but that was my first encounter with Coke. Was, I can't believe the legality of like booze in general. Like, yeah, how I've, many we've talked about that? Yeah. That's, how many lives need to be destroyed for them to just be like, yeah, anybody can get it. Yeah. You know, and also like, especially like young men, they have there's studies. I think that the psychiatrist was telling me like the frontal lobe doesn't really even develop for many men to like in their mid thirties. Yeah. You know what I mean? But meanwhile, at twenty one, they're just like get Destroying crazy, it. yeah, and then run out and try to get a job. It's like. Dude, I think things are just set up wrong. Yeah. Well, and I talked about it with Will Blaylock because we were talking about how same thing, same topic. How is alcohol so legal compared to a lot of other things? And it's like, yeah, they tried to put it in the Constitution, like the prohibition and everything. And that amendment got like shot down like a few years later. Yeah. Like they took it out. (laughs) Do you know how hard it is to take something out? Yeah. (laughs) And they took it out. Like, that's how much people love their booze. People love booze. Oh, I trust me. No one more so than me. That's why I don't do that anymore. That's crazy. I do, too. I mean, I actually you know what my thing is. Um, I'm like a dork now. I like uh, red wine. Yeah. When it really comes down to it, I barely want to drink anything else now besides like red wine. A good red wine. Yeah. It's it's classy. Yeah. You know, there's. Yeah, it's got some class to it. I, I like I like the effort that goes into making it. OK, like, that's. I, I love the taste, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's about it. Plus it's not going to, it doesn't hurt. Like I love, like I appreciate the, uh, the bullet. You got me bullet rye yeah. and I love it and I drank it. I'm sure I did. But, um, I know if I get carried away and I don't just have the one and I have hurt. three, I'm not going to do anything bad, but the next day I'm not going to be anywhere near a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm going to be down by 60%, you know, something like that. Yeah. So that, I mean, that totally makes sense, especially because, like Savannah loves to have a glass of red wine when she gets home yeah. from work and she, you know, next day gets up, she's fine. And I'm like, God, if I, when I was drinking, if I drank, I drank, like, that's what I did. So it's like, I like every day was a struggle to get up. Cause it's like, fuck, like, here we go. You know, I'd always have the, uh, a leave next to the bed with a bottle of water, a Gatorade or something. Yeah. And everyone's like, Oh, this is my hangover cure. This is my hangover cure. And it's like, yeah, not when you drink like I do. Like, there is no cure. Like, you just have to wait it out. I've also never, like, I've been thinking about it recently. I've never been wasted. And then the next day, be like, man, that was a, that was a good call. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That, that was, never. That was really smart. Like, not knowing where my keys are now. Like, I love the... Where's my phone? Yeah. Oh, no. Who did I call? Yeah. Like, Go through your text. You got to play detective. Used to go to Razzles. Yo, Yeah. Razzle dazzle, baby. I left Razzles the one time I remember just yeah, pretty, pretty hammered. And I started doing the walking thing home. Yeah. But I wasn't. And I lived in Port Orange. Oh. It was like eight miles. And one time I did do it and I made it. I just walked throughout the night and I got home the next day at like 11 o'clock. Jesus. Cell phone dead before. Yeah, I guess cell phone dead. Anyway, 
Uh, I made it the one time, but this time I wasn't that intoxicated. I still had enough thought process to be like, you don't want to walk eight miles. Yeah. So I went over the Seabreeze Bridge, and on the other side of the Seabreeze Bridge is that Crystals. Do you know mm-hmm. where that is there? Yes. And uh, like a f- before Uber and all that stuff, I just walk up to a car uh, at the drive through at Crystals. Oh, my God. And I just go, hey! Uh-huh. And uh, I go, uh, what do you guys do? I don't have a... Uh, I don't have any cash on me. I go, but I need a ride home. You guys ordering crystals? A car full of people. Yeah. I go, I will buy you all crystals. You bring me back to the dorms. And they're like, kind of looked at each other like, okay. So I bought like $30 worth of crystals and it earned me a ride back to Riddle. It earned you passage. It did. That's awesome, man. Because whenever I get approached by people, um, I always just, like I have that reaction of like, I just want to roll up my window and drive away. Yeah. But they heard you out. They were down for the cause, man. Well, I wasn't too intimidating. Yeah, you know? you're, not, you're not a gigantic guy. I'm not. <laughs> What's the other Coke store? You said you had two. I don't think the other one's even funny, honestly. Yeah, uh, the other Coke store, I was at a club in Orlando. Uh, tried it, and I think the story of that was, that was the first time that I really, and the only time that I really did it. Tried you know? it, yeah. it was in a, Also, I'm like, oh yeah, this is comfortable. I'm in a shitty bathroom. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't like that. Audacity. Yeah. So you were saying, I was we, had, saying. we had a customer come in, mm-hmm. which was Not exciting. Good. You liked it? Yeah. That horse shit. I heard the bell go bing, bing, bing. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, I got to stop it. Dude, I've been doing this job so long. Like at first, I you, were, like, you handled that stellar. Yeah. I hate how good I am at it. Like I've, I don't like this place. I've been doing it for so long. I could buy gold in my sleep. Like yeah. it's But it, it was just so how much you were just kind of like, like you knew how not to like aggravate anybody. Diffuse you know, the like, situation. Yeah. yeah. You're not like, oh, this is shit. Get this fucking out of my shop. That's what I'm thinking in my head though. Yeah. And you're <laughs> like, I, I mean, honestly, man, I, I just wouldn't know where to unload it. But I mean, yep. you could try this. You could try that. I can't speak for that. I'm like, look at him tagging all the, can't speak for him. You can try this. Let's get all the the things out of the way not my first rodeo yeah i see that speaking of rodeos you're in a dark dingy bathroom in orlando Florida. my first coke rodeo yeah uh yeah somewhere in orlando too crazy night uh club i don't, I don't know but yeah we go someone's like all right i'll give it a go i was with yeah. coke people <laughs> and yeah i just remember you thinking seem like the kind of guy who would be around coke people i have been around coke people <laughs> i don't tend to I rarely do on it. Eh, that's not true. I do comedy. I know a little bit. <laughs> I know a couple more Coke people. But uh, I would give a shout out right now, but it seems inappropriate. Again, when we start telling Coke stories, it's like the shout outs go out the window. I feel like on three, we could probably <laughs> say the na- same name at the same time if I wanted to. <laughs> we We're probably not, not going to do that. Uh, but no, I just remember thinking like, how unattractive is this? Like I'm being sketchy because like the only way that my brain works is all just logic. Yeah. You know, I'm constantly running risk assessment. I feel like it. And I'm like, I'm in this shady bathroom with a dude also makes me totally, I mean, it's like, oh, let's get in the stall. He's like, close the stall. Like, and I'm like, God, I don't want to yeah. be in a stall with you. That's uncomfortable. That's, un- yeah. And he's like, no, no, you just, uh, here, uh, you want to do it off my key, you know, or whatever the key fuck bumps, it was. And yeah. I'm just like, 
all right, man. And I just remember like, when's this going to kick in? And he's like, oh, about 10, 20 minutes or something, whatever it was. And I remember like, oh, it kicked in. I was like, I feel like I just slammed three Red Bulls. I'm yeah. like, this is what everyone's, ta- this everyone's is what, talking about. This, this is what people are losing their fucking lives. You know, not losing yeah. their lives or losing their careers or, you know, lives down the drain for. I'm like, nah, I'm <laughs> out. Yeah. It's, it's weird how when I was a Coke guy, how much I loved it. And then when I got away from it, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, like that's that seems so unappealing. I never got the allure. Um, how about Molly? Do you, you, were you a Molly no, guy? No, never did Molly. Did ecstasy once. Isn't that never the same thing? Molly. Yeah, I guess. But How was that? It was weird. Didn't really didn't do much. Like, I just remember being really thirsty and just yeah. rubbing my hands on everything. But no, like like that warm feeling, but nothing else really. Yeah, I've done that. Uh, I tried that twice. Okay. Uh, one time, um, both times, uh, you, the feeling for like an hour is unreal. Yeah. You're about as happy as you can be. And Very uh, euphoric. For very sure. euphoric. Everything's great. But the next day is- Garbage person. Is a 24-hour period that you hate yourself. You can't sleep. You can't really eat. I'm like, oh yeah, that was worth it yeah. for one hour of me feeling awesome. And I'm like, nah. So I was, I did it once uh, with that result. And then uh, I was like, I'll never do that again. And then dumb enough to try it again, like yeah. four years later. <laughs> and I think, I hope I can't be a hundred percent sure. Uh, yeah, I can. I'm not doing it again. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm smart enough now. I'm, yeah. You just don't even want to. It's touch not it. worth the next day. It's not. And <clears throat> that's the case with a, a lot of those situations. It's weird how you said um, the way your brain works. Not weird. It's actually very similar so there are times now, especially being sober, where I'll be in situations with people who are, have had a couple of drinks and they're like, hey, let's do this. And logic, like I use reason and logic, you know, I wanted to do the lawyer thing. So my brain functions in the yeah. world of reason. So when people are like, hey, let's go do this. I'm like, that just sounds bad on yeah. so many levels. Or even like if I'm sitting in the car with Savannah and she's had a couple glasses of wine and a song comes on that she likes, she'll like crank it up. <laughs> We're sitting in a parking lot. I go, this is just drawing unwanted attention. Like, yeah. we can listen to this song. Like, like turn it down. Like, when we'll listen to the song. Yeah. But, like, you screaming in my passenger seat while the song is blaring. People are going to think I'm trying to, like, murder you. You're very conscious of your surroundings. Yeah. Hyper aware. Yeah, you have to be. Well, it's just weird, too, how some people... Do you have uh, ADHD, have too, I assume? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I learned a ton this summer. I guess it's, like, considered survival brain, so you're always... Yeah, it's weird. I compare it a lot to... Um, I had a bit that I was doing for a little while about it, but I developed a hyper-awareness through um, working in the service industry, but also when I was younger, my ex-stepdad would get really drunk and, like, come home super late at night and just be an asshole... So you develop this weird awareness of like, okay, where is he in the house? Like what's happening? Who's he with? Like what's, how much has he had to drink? Like, and you start developing all these like little like checklists in your brain. And then over time that just developed into like, whenever I walk into a room, I know where the exits are. I know where the windows are. Like I know where they like, and that just developed over. I used the bit used to be like my origin story. If I was a superhero is yeah, my ex stepdad used to get drunk and beat the shit out of me. But that doesn't make for a good Netflix series. No, it doesn't. So that used to be the bit, but obviously never got a laugh because people are like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, so 
and you mix that kind of environment with someone who has ADHD, like you just see everything that's happening all the time. So it's, it's a weird, it's weird because people without anxiety or without ADHD and stuff like that, they don't think like that. Yeah. Like they just see kind of what's in front of them. And I'm like, that's so bizarre to me. Yeah. That was my biggest epiphany. Like this last year is like, I just thought, I just thought everybody was thinking the way that I was thinking. Yeah. I never realized it's, that. It's so it was only a year ago that like it's I really, a sobering reality when you're like, oh, not everyone's brain works like this. Mm-hmm. My um, older sister is dating someone now who doesn't have anxiety and everyone in my family suffers, except I think my twin sister. Everyone else in my family has horrific anxiety, yeah. like throw up at the drop of a hat because something happened kind of anxiety. Not like, oh, I'm worried about flying like, oh, my God, there's traffic. I'm going to be late for work. I'm going to get fired, vomit in my seat like that kind of anxiety. Yeah. Everyone in my family has that. So my except my twin, my uh, older sister was saying she's dating a guy now who doesn't ha- never gets anxiety. That must be nice. And I was like, how my first question was, how does he get anything done? Without this driving force in the back of his head, like, yes. you better fucking do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Like, how do you not get something? How do you get anything done? Yeah. She's like, oh, he just has a job and he goes to his job and he does his job and he goes home. And I'm like, ugh, like, that's so weird to me. I don't know how any of that works. I'm constantly running. I like I'm a guy where like there's a checklist on in my head at all times. Yeah. And if always. I'm not way down that checklist completing it. Like, I'm like, oh, well, who else is going to do it? Like, if yeah. it's not me, you I, know? I, exactly. You and I are the same person. And I can't relax until it's done. Yeah, I'm the same way. And it's it's sometimes uh, Savannah and I will butt heads about it because she's a very like do what you feel, kind of do it in the moment, whatever kind of thing. I shouldn't say whatever. I shouldn't belittle it. But it's it's a much healthier way to live because like I'll get up. I'll go to bed at two in the morning most nights. And then I get up at seven and seven, seven or eight. Go to the gym. I'll start putter, you know, puttering around the house, cleaning stuff, moving stuff, doing stuff, worrying about the podcast, worrying about merch, worrying about shows. Yeah. Oh, I got to be at work soon. There are days of there are certain times where at work I'll take one extra day off because, you know, we've got a request book. We're in the service industry. So I'll be like, OK, I've got a show Thursday and I've got a show Saturday, but I'll take a Friday off just so I have nothing to do. And it's always the worst fucking day because then I just am like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to relax. I'm just going to relax. And then all I do all day is just worry about the shit I'm not doing. Yeah. And I'm like, why the fuck? I should have just worked. Like, why am I doing this? I literally need to be like away from my home or like, you know what I mean? To, to like truly relax. Yeah. Because there's always something you can do at your house. Oh, you know? yeah, for sure. Especially with what we do. It's uh, even if I get away sometimes, I'm like, I should be writing. Like, I should be writing. Yeah. How do you write? Do you write uh, notes on your phone? You, yeah. yeah. So the whole process is uh, I will. A lot of times I'll be telling a story to somebody and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's I should write that down. Yeah. Or something will happen and I'll say something and someone will chuckle. And I so I write a blurb in my I write the premise in my phone, just a blurb. Yeah. And then I take that raw premise and then I will try it on, on stage at open mics a mm-hmm. few different ways. And then once and I record those, then I listen back to those. And then once I kind of have a feel for where I want the joke to go, I will then freeform handwrite it oh, okay. long form on a, on the whiteboard. So then I can like move things around and arrow here, arrow there. Mm. Then I take a picture of it. A professor of comedy, and if that's you will. The fi- um, I'm a pretentious asshole. Of comedy. <laughs> but then I take a picture of it and then that's the final joke. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes, you know, there's always there's always times where I'll say something like in jest as I throw. And then that gets the biggest laugh. And I'm like, motherfucker. 
funny because you know there's certain certain people in the crowd every show is different every show is unique what about you how do you write do you just i write down endless ideas okay uh and then uh all scattered throughout my notes on my phone most of the time just ideas 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 sometimes i'll go long bits i mean they get it's not organized that's something i would like to do try to get myself more organized and then yeah i'll bring it to sometimes i'll have an idea i'll come here i'll write uh you know on a computer i'll write real long-winded and then bring a good amount of that to the stage and then go back and be like, oh, well, that got a laugh. And, you know, yeah, um, then tweak it from there. And tweak it. And I'm pretty good. I don't really like watching myself yet too much. I'm pretty aware of what's going on when yeah. I'm on stage. So I'm like, oh, that got a laugh. Let's stick with that. I audio record it just in case. I do too most of the time. I don't like, yeah, it's tough watching or listening back. Yeah. Plus, when you audio record a, or and or video record, you're not getting the energy in the room. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so I'm like, oh, that felt a lot better, but yeah. that sounded terrible. I've got so many video recordings that I'm like, man, I'm going to cut that up and post it everywhere. And then I watch it back and I go, no, I'm not. Yeah. It's because, I mean, most of the time you're also not seeing from our perspective that guy in the front row just with this big shit and grin on his face, yeah. like pushing his friend around like, yeah, you're right, right. You know, you yeah. don't you don't hear any of that. Nope. And that's I did Wormhole, which was an honor to do that club because, you know, Dave Chappelle, Kyle Kinane, they've all Where's done that. Where's that? Club. I don't know. This. Savannah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was I was asked to feature for Marcus. Marcus was headlining and he asked me to come feature for him. And I was like, fuck, yeah, let's do it. Uh, Derek booked us a uh, huge shout out comic up in Savannah and um, all right, I got to edit that out because he probably doesn't want people calling and being like, hey, can you book me on? <laughs> hey, Derek, uh, this is Rob Rowan. Derek, uh, Mitchell. Derek, Derek Mitchell. Derek, can I come on your show? Um, but uh, anyway, uh, I got to do that room and it was weird because it wasn't a giant crowd. It was because it was middle of the pandemic and stuff, but there were there were people there. There were quite a few people there, but it wasn't a, like it wasn't packed. And I did a couple of bits and there was this one couple who obviously know people who have done heroin or they have done heroin themselves. Yeah. Because I have a couple bits about being in rehab and one of my best friends is a recovering heroin addict. And so I have a bunch of bits where I like take shots of him and tell stories about him and they were dying. Yeah. Like the guy was like falling out of his seat, like dying. And I was only really playing cause everyone else was kind of chuckling, but this guy was dying. So, you know, you zone in on that and then I'm only playing to him and his girlfriend. And that's the one where I got off and I'm like, man, I fucking killed that show i slayed that show yeah then i went back and watched it and you can barely the most faintly of faint hear that guy cracking up because he was so far away from my camera because he was in the front yeah and you kind of hear everyone else just chuckling and i'm like i can't use any of this and i thought i murdered yeah that happens all the time and i was like oh god it's fu- so fun just to know the inside of this i mean i could talk about it constantly it's yeah, just a, such a cool it's cool inside world that if you're not in it, you just you just have no idea. And yeah. even when you are in it, you sometimes have, you have no, no idea. idea. It's it's the most interesting thing I've ever done in my life, I feel like. Yeah, but probably one of the biggest responses I get um, from listeners is, uh, hey, like, I love the stories. You know, it's so cool that you're sober, yada, yada, yada. But you talk about comedy a lot. And I'm always like, yeah, that's the, I mean... Appreciate you listening, but you don't have to. Like, that's the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's my show. I'll say whatever the fuck I want. You yeah. Know? But, like, I've had other people on, like, musicians and actors and stuff. And then that, yeah. then because I don't know their world and they don't know my world. I mean, we have parallels, but it's not the same thing. So then it's kind of like, all right, well, we'll tell, we'll focus more on the stories. 
or sometimes I have people who are just as psychotic as I am. So then we'll focus heavy on stories because we've got a lot of crazy stories. But a lot of times when I have comics on, it's just like, no, I'd just rather talk about comedy because I'm interested on in how people get involved in comedy. Like you were saying, yeah, it's interesting. you know, you just followed it as a kid and then just thought one day, like, I can't, it astounds me the people who write for months, if not years before they actually even try to get on stage. I think you have to. I mean, I don't think you have to, but I, I mean, if, if you're not writing something, well, now that now that I do now they do stand up. Yeah. Now that I perform, you talk to people all the time. And when they find that out, you know, you get a lot of people that are like, oh, I would love to try it. And I'm like, OK, do it. I, I mean, I I urge everyone to try it if you think that's something you want to do. But at the same time, I'm like, don't don't just show up yep. and say the things that your stupid friends giggle at. Yeah, that's I'm I've like, had that conversation. I'm like before. that's first. That's always inside jokes. They're not going to get it. It's got to be relatable. Yeah, I was like, or something of that. I was like, and write it down and practice, and then get on stage because without that, you're just flailing. Yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than going to an open mic and this guy who brought or girl brought thirty people from the office to come see him do comedy. Yeah, and then they get up there and. Oh, I'm the funniest guy at the office. I'll just wing it. Or I'm the funniest per- woman at the office. I'll just wing it. And then they get up there and they're drowning. Yep. And it's like, yeah, man. What do you think was going to happen? Yeah. You thought you were going to get on stage for the first time with bright lights in your face in front of all these people, a lot of which you know, but most of them you don't with the microphone. Yeah. And it would just flow out of you. Do you even know how to use a microphone? Yeah. No. No, you they don't. They never do. No, you don't. Dude, I'll make fun they of always- I'll make fun of Randy at the Nog because he's a tool. But uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm going to make fun of this guy. I'm not going to be able to go on at the Nog anymore. There'll be no comedy in Daytona for me. But uh, he hosted last week. Oh, he, really? Yeah. And he's like, I've seen it a bunch. I can do it. You know, because he's he's around it all the time because yeah. it's his bar. But he cannot do it. Uh, <laughs> he yeah, Well, whatever. But it's like at the same time, he's there all the time. We're like, hold the mic up to yeah. your mouth. You know, we're like, everyone's like, use the mic correctly. I've actually seen, and all the years I've been doing this, I've actually seen people just straight up just abandon it. Like, I've seen real, like, comics that I've been on shows with, like, the room's just turned on them, and they're just like, fuck this, and, like, leave a set early. I've seen that. But I've seen, like, it's my first time, and I, my heart breaks for them. Because they get up there, and normally, like, if you get up there and waste time, I'm like, fuck you, get the fuck off the stage. Mm -hmm. But if you get up there and you actually have some stuff that you've tried to memorize and you can tell, you can tell because they'll go up there and they'll start looking up at the ceiling, trying to remember what they wrote down. And this happened a couple of weeks ago. This guy got up at uh, Justice Pub, a place in Jacksonville, and it was packed, but it was packed with people who weren't interested in comedy. They were just at the bar, but we were doing comedy. And this guy got up for his first time and he was like, yeah, so I was talking to my friend the other day and I was, I was talking to my friend the other day and and we were talking about and we're, we knew it was his first time. He told us so we're all cheering him on. All the comics are like, come on, man, you got it. He just blanked. It happens. He could not remember the joke. And dude, I almost started crying. Like I felt so terrible. And I was like, I want to turn. I was like, shut the fuck up like, to these people because no one's listening. Everyone's talking, which is even harder because when no one's paying attention, you feel like you're talking to your fucking self. Yeah. I've been doing it 11 years and I sometimes get up there and no one's listening. And I'm like, I'm talking to my fucking self. Like this is dumb. Yeah. But dude, in those instances, it's like you're saying, like, it's not, this is not what you think it is. Like, it's not as easy as you think. No. Yeah. God. I mean, everyone talks about that all the time. Everyone thinks they can talk. 
Yeah. Easy. I'm good. I'm, I'm the funniest person at work. Go fuck yourself. This is actually uh, kind of I'm the of fun. least funny person at my job. Yeah. And I tour all over doing comedy. Yep. I've literally had people be like, you do comedy? You seem so angry. You seem so <laughs> aggressive. It's like, yeah. You got to be a wordsmith. You know, yeah. it's, it is what it is. Uh, for the first time I went up, I just think about this. I'm, I get there super nervous. Plus, um, you know, it's Tiernanog, you yeah. know, not a comfortable place. At when you're, all. Well, when you go the first now, it's home to me. Yeah. You know? But when you go there the first time, I'm just like, I'm a fish out of water here. And I'm feeling especially guys like us. Yep. And Queen I'm feeling cut. the room. Oh, I know. I was like, I'm going to get stabbed. Like, this <laughs> is, like I, I like my organs. This is this is going to be bad. Um, I'm like someone's gonna slip something in my drink for sure. Yeah, right? I'm only ordering canned beers. Canned yeah. beers, canned close. Beers. I'll pop the top. I'll, yeah, I'll pop exactly. the top. Um, <laughs> but I'm in the uh, I'm in there and I'm trying to feel the room out. And I see this lady and I'm like, um, oh, you uh, you here for the show? She's like, oh, I'm gonna go on stage. Like I'm a comic. And I'm like, okay. She's. I was like, I'm thinking about it. I swear, I was like at the same time. I was like, Jobs, if I get a bad feeling, I'm walking out of here. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Yeah. And they pushed me off to the end of the night and she was a newer comic too. And she goes on two or three before me and bombs terribly. Is it someone I know? No, I can't even think of this lady's my name myself. She kind of quit afterwards. Okay. She was a doctor. Um, just bombs. Just, I mean, she was rolling around on the ground trying what? to do something. And Minus is looking over her just like angry. Just, And I'm like, oh God, this big guy's going to be angry to me too. Like, you know, um, yeah. but... After she got off stage, I was like, I can do that. Yeah, that's not. I was like, I can do, I know I can do better than that. I was like, I prepared for yeah. a while now. So maybe one of God. the, her bomb to this day still might be one of the only reasons I got up for the first time. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, if I saw this lady again, I'd thank her. Yeah. That's for being terrible. That's, <laughs> I was just listening to, um, Tom Segura just told that story on his podcast with, uh, Christina P. About how the first time he had like a run of shows in New York, he was nervous because he's like, fuck, like this is New York. Like these yeah. are these are where my favorite comics come from. And then he said he was so nervous, almost had a panic attack. And then at his first show, the first show that he had on the slate of shows, the first comic goes up and was like super hacky, fucking bombs, like just just a garbage comic. And he goes, oh, OK, it's it's still all the same. It's all the same everywhere. <laughs> it really is. It's even when you know it's so funny. Even when I was in New York, a couple times I've been up there. I'm like, I think my friends are more talented in Florida. Like at these mics that I were at, yeah. at least you know. Well, and that's a big thing too. Is I've done, I've done uh, not shows, but I've gone to shows at the cellar and the stand and everything. And there'll be a, there'll be certain comics that go up and they're just having an off night. Like I have all the utmost respect for anybody who will get on the stage and prepare. Mm -hmm. If you will prepare and treat it like it's a real thing, the way I treat it. Then you have my utmost respect. Yeah, agreed. But there are comics who are professional comedians. This is their job. And they go up there and then they'll say things and they'll bomb. And instead of just fucking eating the bomb like a grown up, they'll say shit like, oh, I already got paid for this set. So I don't I really care. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, all I'm trying to do is get paid for this. Yeah. You are you are embarrassing me by the way that you're taking this so cavalier. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got. We saw it one time at the cellar. The same comic, I won't, obviously, nobody listens. There's like, whatever. Anyway, I'm not going to say the comic's name. But they were on a show at the cellar. Because, you know, there's two there's two shows, three shows at the cellar. So we went to all three. And this comic was on all three. Because, you know, sometimes they, you know, have people come on just for one show. Sometimes they'll do all three, okay. depending on the avails. So this same comic was on the show for all three. Tried 
did the same set for all three shows. No harm, no foul. Like you're working shit out. I get it. Mm-hmm. That same joke bombed all three times. Every time they said, well, I already got paid for this set, so I don't give a shit if you laugh or not. And I was like, why, this, why is that a line that people even say? Why does it or, even come out of their mouth? And I'm like, I've heard it a bunch of times myself. Why would you say that? Yeah. Or, and this is something, and I think it's one of those things, like it's a comfort thing. Because I've I've told other newer comics who have asked me solicited advice because we're big Thank fans of unsolicited. We're not big fans of unsolicited advice on this podcast. But people have come up to me and asked me, hey, what did you think about that set? And if I will, I'll tell anybody the honest truth and I'll because I expect the honest truth. Yeah. So I'll tell them, hey, don't ever tell the audience this is new stuff I'm working on. They don't need to know that. Yeah. Because you're setting yourself up for some sort of this is going to fail. And then you put that in their head. Yeah. So you don't tell them that. If a joke bombs and you want to throw it out there, that's fine. I think I do throw it out at the end. I'm like, but ah, that's new. I do it all the time. But I want to not do it. Exactly. But I, like, I've told new comics, like, don't ever say it at the beginning of your set ever, because then you're just setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. If a joke bombs and you want to throw it out there, I still, I tell people not to do it, but then I do it because I'm a fucking hypocrite. But at the same time, it's like, why? Like, don't even give the audience the ability to be like, oh man, that, that sucks. Like, make them think, like, oh, this works. This works. This has worked before. I'm going to keep doing it. You guys just don't get it. This is such boring comedy talk, but have you ever, have you ever, uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, ragers uh, soon, I guess, but have you ever, oh, no, I can't even think of what I was going to say here, something to the fact, ah, fuck it, let's talk about booze. I, I guess I lost my train of thought. No, you were, we were talking about saying things on stage. This is my first set. People saying, I already got paid for this set. New comics. None of this ringing a bell? God, I had a good... I thought I had something here. People not taking comedy seriously, saying I already got paid for this set. I already got paid. This guy says something like, uh, that's his new material. Damn Ah. it. Now I feel like I lost it. That's okay. Oh, man. This is only entertaining to us, by the way. I know, it is. (laughs) That's And I'm sure Joe Dorville, shout out, huge shout out. You'll hear him at the intro of this episode. He's the guy who does the music. He is my shadow producer. And he's gonna. He's the one who always is like, "Hey, man, lots of comedy talk on that one." You have someone cutting these up for you? No, no, no. Shadow producer. Okay. He's a Patreon uh, subscriber, and then he listens to every episode, and then he'll text me notes, and then I always go, "Thanks, Joe." Thanks, Joe. <laughs> anyway, plug everything one more time. We've been going for a while, so plug everything one more time. Oh, what is there to plug? Your uh, show. You have a podcast. Yeah, too. I have a podcast that's on hiatus. It'll be coming back. It's called Comedy Catch. Comedy and Catch. We recorded on a boat. We were gonna I record it on like... a boat. I'm gonna take my friend. You know what's funny? I don't know how to fish. That's really the funny part about it. That's that's why I think I was saying earlier, like I'm a poser. Yeah. Like this boat is made for fishing. And I, I just got it because it was a family friend's boat. They were selling it. I picked it up. I fixed it up. It's been a nightmare. But the only thing I really know how to do is operate the boat. Like I'm good at that. Yeah. When it comes to fishing, like I can't wait to learn. But it will be fun because if I bring friends out, I mean, it's literally like, what do you know about fishing? Because I don't know much. Like, let's let's <laughs> yeah. figure it out together. So I think it's going to be a fun concept. And Jabri will help me. She's actually a great little fisherman. I swear you she sure ties up oh, eh, uh, better than I. Yeah. Uh, she ties the knots for my fishing lines all the time. Really? I swear I'm such a I'm like I'm not a girl, but I will. As I'm saying, my wife takes ties the lines for me. Um, She'll like take like the uh, the fish off the hook half the time. Like, I can do it, but she's better at it than yeah. me. I'm like, go for it. I have a buddy. This is funny. I took a buddy fishing recently, and he's this 
my, my, my nerdy friend from uh, New York. He's actually an airline pilot. And I don't know why I called him nerdy. He's not nerdy, but he was pissing me off because he knows everything like about fishing. And we were out there. He's like, oh, man, he's like, you got to, uh, he's like, you sure we're using the right bait? He's like, uh, we probably should be using squid out here. I'm like, what do you, you don't know anything like I don't know anything. <laughs> but he's giving me so much shit. And then we use mud minnows out there. They're stable fish. They keep, uh, they stay alive, uh, put a hook right through their lip, really. They're great. You can leave them in forever. And they seem to work pretty well. I'm like, all right, let's uh, bait these up. So I give them a line and it's in a in a live well. You know what I mean? A bubbler is keeping these fish alive. And I'm watching them and he can't, you can't, can't, touch, the can't touch the fish. Meanwhile, he is busting my balls about me not going to the right spot, about what fuel to use in the boat, what? about how to get out. He's like, I'm going to buy myself. And he's got he's got plenty of money. So like, I'm thinking about buying like a 45 foot like sea craft. And I'm going to really dedicate my life to the sea. And I'm looking at him. And when I saw he couldn't touch the fish, I was like, you look, he like kind of looked at me with like these like doe eyes. Like, will you put this fish on my line? And I was like, uh-uh, buddy. Nope. I go, you've been talking so much shit. And like, like a little kid, I was making them, I'm like, put your hand in there. You don't even have to grab them. I'm like, just Steal live it. with them for yeah. a second. And then, and like a little kid, he's like petting the water. It was a hysterical. <laughs> I wish I filmed it. I swear. Anyway, oh but I don't God. know. That's, that's the podcast. Comedy catch. <laughs> I don't know how to fish. We're going to figure it out. Um, do you want to mention the podcast you were thinking about starting? Oh, flying? Well, yeah. it'll be all in that, I guess. I mean, I'll keep it under the same name at some point. I mean, okay. I starting, that's... Grand dreams. Thinking about maybe later on down the road. Yeah, I don't know if I talked about that. So I have all. No, you did not talk about that so much on the show. We'll I have all of my pilot licenses. Uh, that's what I was supposed to do as a yeah, career. We did mention that. Yeah, and um, yeah, in the future, I want to start flying a lot more, and I would love to take people up and you know let them fly the plane. Plus, you have headsets on. I have to figure out a way to run that to a mixer. I don't think it's going to be very difficult, and then back out through the intercom. Um, but yeah, just, just up there, put a GoPro on the windshield, you know, just have some, comics up there flying sure. with you. Do some stalls, some spins, Talking some podcasts. steep turns. Anybody can fly. It's a lot of fun. God. So look out for that, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I'll have you on first. How about that? Oh, fuck that. I hate flying. Uh, no, well, you'll be, be in control. It'd be awesome. That's true. I would be in control. And then I'd be like, yeah, this is so fun. There you go. Um, next time I go down on the, the road, down the road, next yeah. time I go on an airline, I'll be like, Hey guys, which. I'll be like your friend on the boat. Like, what are you working in there, huh? You guys using the right equ right equipment, right fuel? Yeah. Like, I know everything about flying. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I was on Friends thing. Uh, <laughs> what, are you, what, are you, what are you using, ATIS? What do you got there? Yeah, like, what's, what's going on in there? You want me to make the radio calls? I can make radio calls. Me, I can do it. Um, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Thank you, Rob, for being my guest. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for coming and breaking up my monotonous day. Absolutely. Um, remember, Brennan T. Comedy on all social media. BrennanTComedy.com for upcoming dates. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Join us on patreon.com forward slash Brennan Tassif. Get him that money. You get the episodes out. Yeah, please get me out of the fucking restaurant industry because I hate my life and I just want to devote it to comedy and podcasting. Um, <laughs> I forgot where I was going. Uh, <laughs> my fault. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, oh, yeah. With the Patreon, you'll get the episodes early. You get a bonus episode. And if you subscribe to the top tier for six months, we'll do. you'll be an official ex-drinking buddy. And we'll do a mini episode with you. Put it up on the Patreon so you can get all your friends to listen. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. I love you so much. Rob, thank you so much again, my friend. Thank you, buddy. We're out. Mm -hmm.